John chapter number 15. The Gospel of John chapter number 15. I want us to read one verse and then we'll uh, look. Uh, if you will, keep your Bible open to the Gospel of John 15. We'll look at more verses in this chapter, but just for the text verse, I want to read uh, one verse. Have you ever, now I know uh, probably most of us is all uh, country people and and uh, country people is just different than city folks. Uh, we was talking, me and my wife was talking um, yesterday, I made the statement, I said, you know, I said, I'd rather somebody just uh, tell me they don't like me than to act like they like me and not like me. Uh, at least that way I know where I stand with people. You know, a lot of times we're, we think, you know, and, and I don't know if you're like that, but but have you ever just thought about this? Have you ever just thought about what is my relationship with Jesus like? And, and I know that we could we could honestly we could probably make all types of all types of statements and and um, if we were real honest with ourselves this morning, um, I, you think just think for a moment on uh, Judgment Day, honest. If you were to ask yourself what your relationship with the Lord Jesus is like, how would it be? I'm not, I'm not talking about what you hope it is. I'm talking about what it actually is. Now there again, you know, we, we are real good. Um, I heard a preacher say one time when COVID was going on and all this, all this stuff and wearing masks and all this stuff and... and uh, there was a particular, some particular people on Facebook, and uh, you know, Facebook is most of the time fight book. But they was fussing about having to wear masks to church. And uh, this this older preacher that has Facebook, he he said, uh, he said, well, I told my congregation most of them has been wearing masks long before COVID has. <laughs> and reality of it is, if you're if you're really honest with yourself this morning. A lot of us, that is a lot of where we are in our relationship with Jesus. We don't want to be honest. We don't really want to be honest of how it is, really what it is. We, as the old saying is, we want to put lipstick on a pig and make it something that really and truly that it's not. And so as you think about our relationship with the Lord Jesus, uh, the Bible is very, very, uh, very um, detailed in how that you and I can can judge or examine our relationship with the Lord Jesus. As you, as you look through the Bible, you don't have to wonder how, what your relationship with the Lord is, uh, but as you read your Bible, the Bible tells you of how, uh, of how close you are to the Lord or how far away you are from the Lord. And you know that's one of the reasons why people don't like to read their Bible? It's because when a person reads their Bible, the Bible really begins to read them. As you begin to really open up the Word of God and begin to let the Word of God uh, speak to your heart and speak to your life, the Bible said, the book of James says, it's as, a, it's as a mirror, a person beholding their face in a glass, showing them uh, really who they are. And that's why a lot of times people don't like to read the Bible is because when they begin to read it, there again, it begins to read them. And so this morning, I want us to take the text and I want us to, 
uh, to really examine what our relationship with the Lord Jesus is. For us that, for us that have been married, uh, we probably could say, hopefully we would be able to say this morning that us that are married, we love our spouse more today than the day we got married. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm sure there's sometimes my wife does not always like me, but I hope she loves me more today than the day we got married. And it, and it is the same way with you, the same way with our, with our kids. Uh, um, the, the, the older that we get, the, um, the more older they get, the more we love them. And, and there again, uh, don't mis, mis, mistake it, it does not mean we'll always like them and not want to, um, uh, I tell people all the time, you couldn't give me a million dollars for my kids, but you couldn't give me a million dollars to do it over again. Um, so, so the idea is, is the longer we're around people, the more we, we spend time with them, uh, the more our love develops and the more it, the stronger it gets. And so it should be the same way with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice John chapter number 15, notice verse number 9. The Bible says this, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And so there's, we find that Jesus, this issue with love, love did not originate with man. We find that love originated with God. And this is what God intended. God intended love to be a strong emotion that leads to a stronger devotion. Now we're living in a world where people, people use, the word very, use the word love very uh, relaxed and very flippantly. Um, and same way, same way with the South. We use, we use words very, very flippantly. And if you, if you go, if you travel any other places uh, and you say these words, uh, they mean different to here than they do there. For instance, we'll, we'll say something. You'll say, oh, do you, do you know so-and-so? And we'll say, yeah, I know so-and-so. But truth is, uh, we only know of them. Because we don't really know them. We have just, in the South, we think if we have met somebody one time, we automatically know them. But that's not the case. And so the idea is, is that love, there again, love is, God originated it to, to be an emotion, but that emotion is not something uh, that just, that just uh, uh, is that of emotion, but it drives devotion. A lot of people, when they think of love, it's just a like, or it's or, or it's that of something. Of just some uh, fuzzy feeling, and and you get goosebumps. And and reality of it is, you've got to have more than goosebumps to stay married. Amen. You've got to have more than a fuzzy feeling to stay married because because that first fight that happens, that fuzzy feeling goes away. Oh, y'all, a bunch of hypocrites. You know I'm telling it right. I remember when we used to have, when I had, used to have the chicken houses, every time me and KK would begin to get in a fight, something would break in the chicken houses. And I'd run out there for two hours and sit on a bucket and talk to the chickens. After we sold the chicken houses and we had our first fight, I, I thought, where am I going to go now? And so reality of it, it's not a fuzzy feeling. It's not goosebumps. But, but it's a, it is an emotion, but that emotion demands devotion. And so as you think about this, this Jesus talking about continuing in this love, it is the bond or the, the super glue that holds a relationship together. 
Uh, now, now we, we use uh, in a little bit where we're from, where I'm from, which is not far, uh, duct tape. My brother, when he bought my chicken houses, he said he had never seen anything held together more with duct tape than my chicken houses was. And so love is, is that it holds things together. And so he makes this statement in verse number 9. He says, as my father hath loved me, so have I loved you. And I, I want us to just very quickly, uh, you can turn there if you want to, but uh, very quickly, I want you to uh, notice Psalm 22. This is a messianic psalm. And in Psalm 22, we see the, the, uh, the prophecy of Jesus on the cross, of what is going to take place when he is hanging on the cross. And so I want you to think just for a moment about the love of Christ that we see here in Psalm 22. I want you to notice verse number 1. It says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? So we see the first of all that he is forsaken in verse number 1. This has nothing to do with what I'm preaching with about, but it just come to my mind, and I want to say it. Notice, notice verse number one, he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Question mark. Now, that is, now he says that that is a prophecy in Psalm 22, and it is also given to us in the gospel. Now, where do people, oftentimes you hear people say, It is a sin to question God. If it's a sin, Christ sinned, and he's not the sinless Lamb of God. Friend, there's going to be times in your life and in mine that we're going to be so shaken with what's going on, we are going to question Him. And it is okay to question God why, but it is not okay to question His sovereignty. Don't ever, don't ever, don't ever let anybody make you feel like you are, you are a, 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 a low-down, wretched sinner because you sometime in your life have asked God why. Even Christ did that. So we see Psalm 22, verse number 1, he's forsaken. Verse number 7, it says this, All they that see me laugh, laugh me to scorn. They shoot me out of the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he hath delighted in him. So verse number 1, he's, made, he's forsaken by God. Verse number 2, he's made fun of. Verse number 13, we find that the Bible says, They gaped upon me with their mouths uh, as ravening and a roaring lion. That word gaped, it means to tear apart. Uh, so he's made fun of in verse number 7, verse number 13. Uh, they, are, they are fracturing him. They are ripping him apart uh, with their mouths. Uh, verse number 14 down through verse number 16, he says, I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Verse number 1, we see that he's forsaken. Verse number 7, we see that he's made fun of. Verse number 13, he's fractured. He's torn apart. Uh, by their words, but 14 through 16, we find that he has fully given it, it, given it his all. And so when you think about the love of Christ, that is, the, that is a depiction of what Christ went through on the cross. And the whole reason he went through that was why? Because of love. We find that God, there again, is the originator of love, for God so 
loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so we find that this love that we're talking about is a, is a love that demands action. Can we say we really love somebody if we're not willing to serve them? Now, now I'll be honest with you, I'm very particular. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think this um, by looking at me, but I'm very picky about eating. I'm, very, I'm even more particular about when I go to a restaurant to eat. My wife, it drives her up the wall. I'm, I'm not going to get takeout and take it home. If I'm paying for somebody to cook for me, I'm going to pay them to clean up for me too. So when I go out to eat, when I sit down, we, there's a couple things that, I, that I'm very particular about. Number one, I'm particular about the smell when I go in there. If it smells like a wet dog, I ain't eating there. Number two, I'm very particular about who is serving me. Now, if they'll keep my glass full and they'll get me my food hot, I'm satisfied. But that very moment that I, that I have to suck the bottom of my glass out to get a little bit of drink, I'm over it. And chances are, I ain't going back. I like my glass full. My wife, she don't fix my glass at home, so I just had to pay somebody to do it. She would do it if I asked her to, but she's got five little kids running around, so I just tend to myself and let her tend to them. But the idea is I'm very particular about, about eating. But and here, here's, here's, and I know waitresses, if you, if you have worked in, uh, in that uh, field, I understand that they don't get paid a lot. I understand that. And they make most of their money off of tips. But have you ever just ever just had a waitress and you could tell she hated her job? Or he hated his job? And my question is sometimes, if you hate this job so much, why are you here? They hate it. You can tell by their actions. They'll, they'll slang your food down. They'll, I mean, they, they, you can just tell. By, it's the same way with anybody. You ever you ever go to uh, I, there's a girl I used to go to the doctor sometimes. This little old gal would come in and she would I mean she was just as I don't know why in the world she thought it'd be a good idea to go to nursing school, but she was the meanest thing ever. And I'm, when I'm going to a doctor and I'm sick, the last thing I want is a mean nurse because I hate needles, and I'll tell them. You ever have to draw blood on me, I'll tell you, you got one shot. I don't care if you stick that thing in and dig around for 20 minutes. You ain't pulling that needle out and going back in. You got one shot. And I, I tell all, and most of them laugh. They, but boy, she just, I, mm-mm. You know what, people just don't like serving people. Love demands service. If we really love somebody, we have no problem serving them. And so the, so the idea is still equated to the Bible. If we love somebody, Jesus, we should have no problem serving him. So here's the, so here's the climax. When we examine our love for the Lord, 
the Bible is very clear on some things that if we really love him, we will do. So when I ask you this morning at the forefront, how do you think your love for Jesus lines up? Not with what I say, not with what you think or what you feel, but what the Bible says. Let's just be real honest. It don't matter what I say. It don't matter what you feel. It simply matters what the scripture says. And so I want you to notice, I want you to notice as we look at this idea of examining our love for Christ, he makes this statement in the last part of verse number nine. He says, continue ye in my love. So this word continue, it means to stay. It means to abide. So this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I have, the Father has loved me. I have loved you. And because of this, you are to continue in my love. You are to abide in my love. You're to stay within the confounds of my love. And we've already seen love demands devotion. It demands, it, it demands service. Uh, so if you love me, you're going to be devoted to me. If you love me, you're going to serve me. Continue in that. And so this is what Jesus said. I have done everything I am to do to prove my love for you. Now it is your turn to prove your love for me. Now here's where we think. We don't think in our day that should be the case. We don't think we should have to prove our love to Jesus. But the Bible is very clear that Jesus wants to see actions with our love. Now listen, we're not saved by works, but we work because we're saved. And so I want you to notice some things about in John chapter number 15. These are not, not an exhaustive list of things that we could look at this morning, but I want you to notice, notice verse number 10 uh, of, verse, uh, of John chapter number 15. Notice verse number 10. So remember, Jesus says, continue ye in my love. If you are going to continue in it, you're going to have to be devoted to me. You're going to have to serve me. And here's how you do it. Notice verse number 10. If you keep my commandments, what's these next few words? You shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So as we, as we think about the considering or examining our love for the Lord Jesus, the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, do we keep his word? Now, I want you to notice this. The Bible is very clear. He says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. So the way to abide in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ is to what? To obey his word. Why do we live in a society that thinks I can love Jesus, but I don't have to love his word? These two, these two are not, they cannot be separated. If you love Jesus, you'll love his word. If you don't love his word, Jesus says, you can't love me. But yet we have, we're living in a society to say, well, I love Jesus, but I hate that Bible. There is no way that you can love Jesus and hate the Bible. Matter of fact, Jesus is very clear. You say, well, Dr. So-and-so says, I don't care what Dr. So-and-so says, I've got the Bible. That triumphs what anybody else has to say on the matter. A person cannot separate loving Jesus from, from loving his word. Notice this is not the only place uh, that is mentioned here. So I, I mentioned about this. Uh, verse, uh, John chapter number 14, verse number 15, he says this, If you love me, 
keep my commandments. John 14, 21 and verse number 21 and verse number 23, he says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Verse number 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And so we find that obedience to the word of God proves a person's love for God and Christ. Now this, this morning, this is not the only way that we prove that we love him, but it is one of the most important ways we prove that we love Jesus. But I want you to think about this. Think about this. We live in a society that has no problem with loving Jesus, but they have a big problem with loving the Bible. You know why? Because the Bible speaks of their sin and they'd rather have their sin than the Savior. And so this morning as we, as we consider this examining our love for the Savior, how, how much love do you have for the Word of God? Do you, do you deliberately disobey what you know in the Scripture? There's a difference between sinning ignorantly and sinning willfully. Now they're both sin. Don't misunderstand me, but at the same time, there's some people who sin ignorantly because they just don't know. But let's just be real honest. A lot of us aren't sinning ignorantly. We are sinning willfully. We know what's right. We know what's wrong, but we continue to do it anyway. So our love towards God and Christ is not determined by mystical experiences. It's not determined about coming to church and getting a fuzzy feeling or, or being sturdy emotionally, though there's nothing wrong with that. But yet the idea is, is if you if you all you do is come to church and you're sturdy emotionally and it's never any devotion to Christ, you'd miss the whole concept of loving Christ. If, if the love of Christ never changes your life, I doubt you've ever experienced the love of Christ. The love of Christ, Paul says, constraineth me. It won't let me do what I want to do. The love of Christ, do we, do we obey his word? There again, the Bible clearly depicts that a person that knows Christ loves him and obeys him. 1 John 2, uh, verse number 3 and 4, Hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Notice this. He that saith I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So that the idea this morning is clearly seen in the view of Scripture that if you and I really love the Lord, we're going to do our best to live by what he said live. And anything different is sadly not love. Now, I know that's not popular. But let's just face it, in 2023, very few things in the Scripture are popular. How do we, lo do we love this Word? Do we obey it? Do we apply it to our lives so that we can live cleaner and live holier notice verse number 12 so verse number one verse number 10 we see that we are to keep his commandments if we love him we will keep his commandments but notice verse number 12 this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you so this command is is to, to the believer that they love others 
And, and so this, 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 we are to love one another, not just, not just with a, a, a half-hearted concern, but with the same kind of concern that Jesus had. Notice 1 John 2, verse number 10 says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Believers demonstrate their love for Christ by loving other people. Jesus would say this, Men will know you're my disciples by, your, by what? By your love toward another. But yet in, in our day we have so, and, and, and there again, I'm, I am brand spanking new, so you can't say, you can't say, well, he's preaching on so-and-so because I don't know nothing, all right? But, but in the months of the church, now I've been in church nine months before I was born. I, I, I grew up in a country church a lot like this. We was, we was there every time the church doors was open. As Jerry Clyer would say, if we had a rat killing, we was going to be there with a stick. I mean, we was there all the time. My, my grandparents had a drug problem. They drugged me to church every time the doors were open. And I, I'm telling you, that's just the way it was. It was no, no question if we were going to church. It's, we knew it to be on a shadow of a doubt. And we didn't spend the night with anybody on Saturday night. Because Saturday night was the night you got ready for church. And you say, well, well so, you say, well, they go to church. It don't make no difference. It ain't your church. We was going to be at our church. Now, I'm not quite sure what our church was different than everybody else's church. But we was going to be at our church. Sniffling, coughing, it didn't make no difference. We're going to be there. And so I, I understand what, what church is, but isn't it amazing how much bickering goes on in church? All right, I'm from the country. When, I get, when it gets real quiet, that means I hit a stump, so I'm going to back up and I'm going to hit that dude again. Isn't it amazing how much bickering goes on in church about stuff that really don't mount to a hill of beans? And we'll, we'll get crossed up with each other and we'll hold grudges against each other. Well, he ran up, his mule got out of the fence and got in my rose bushes in 1814. Or his dog came over to my house and dug a hole next to my Isaiah bush. I mean, we bicker about crazy things, and there's a, there's a world around us dying and going to hell, and we're bickering about mules and dogs. And yet the world looks at us, and they say, they say well, you know what's you know, an amazing thing? A lot of times the lost world knows more about what the, what the Bible says than us that's been in church all of our life. And we'll, we'll bicker about these things and we'll, we'll get crossed up with each other when they things. And them things that are left, uh, that are left, crossed up, you know what happens? It begins to turn into bitterness. And then it's not long before you have this side against that side and this in the middle is the referees. Y'all didn't know y'all was the referees. The whole reason y'all sitting there to keep any sides from crossing over and punching each other. That, that's the idea. And yet Jesus says, if you really love me, you'll love others like I've loved you. Now, aren't you, aren't you glad Jesus don't hold a grudge against us for every little sin we've ever committed? Matter of fact, aren't you glad Jesus, once our sins have been forgiven, he doesn't remember them anymore? 
You know what some of us need to do? Some of us need to quit burying the hatchet with a handle sticking up and just bury the hatchet and forget where it is. Jesus said, if you really love me, if you really love me the way that you're supposed to be, you're going to love other people. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight. They all have a soul that needs to be saved, and we have the best message to give them. Regardless of nationality, regardless of who they are, all walks of life. Aren't you glad Jesus don't just love church people, but he loves all people? And so that's the way we should be, is we love one another. Not only our brothers and sisters, but even those who don't know Christ. Believers demonstrate their love for Christ by loving others. We find the non-believers, they don't do that. I've got to hurry. 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 9 11. Notice this. It says, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even unto now. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. 1 John three seventeen says, But whosoever hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him. Now, I want to make a statement. Now, now, you don't see it much in Mississippi um, unless you go to bigger towns, but where we was in Tennessee, we saw homeless people all the time. And matter of fact, I mean, during the wintertime, it was nothing nothing uncommon to have homeless people sleeping in between the vents of the, 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 the AC units of the church. It's just just a common occurrence. Now, I understand that there are some who exploit the good-heartedness of other people. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Now, here's, how, here's, here's this is just, I, this is Charlie theology. Take it for what it is. You have to use discernment. But it does not give us the right because there has been a few bad apples that have exploited the system for us to turn our back on the rest of them who really need help. You have to use discernment. That's why the Bible says walk in the Spirit. There's been times that I have walked past a person and God said, you need to help that person. And there have been times that I've walked past a person and I go to help them and God says, yeah. And I walk away. You have to have discernment. But listen to me. A lot of us have quit helping people because we have the mindset, uh, uh, well, they, they can do better. Or they can do. It is not the fact of if they can do better or do they want to do better. What did God say do? What did God command us to do? We, have, we show our love for Christ by helping others. Now, I'll be the first, first to tell you, I don't, like, I don't like sorriness. I don't like laziness. But at the same time, I have to do what God's told me to do, love people. And if I have the means to help them, and God says help them, and I don't help them, then it is a mark against my love for Christ. Everybody with me? Some of you looking kind of puny around the mouth. You'll need some ivermectin. This is all Bible, right? It went off my rocker, have I? Did. Notice, lastly, and I'm done. We see that we are to we show our love for Christ by His work, doing His word. We love show our love for Christ by helping others. But notice verse number sixteen. We show our love for Christ by bearing fruit 
Verse number 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Notice that that your fruit should remain. Whatsoever you shall ask of my Father, of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. It, it, it is, it is God's, God's plan and Christ's plan for us that for us that love him, that we demonstrate our love by obeying the word of God. We demonstrate our love by loving one another as Christ has loved us. But we demonstrate our love for him by bearing fruit. Now, here, here's the thing about this interesting thing about this bearing fruit. And believers, we're given the same purpose that, uh, that Christ came into the world. is to go into the world and bear fruit among men. Now, what is fruit in the Bible? Fruit, is, I mean, when we think about fruit, we're thinking about apples and oranges and all this stuff and all that wonderful stuff. But fruit in the Bible is not apples, oranges, and, and all this other stuff. You know what the Bible talks about when a person bearing fruit is? It's bringing other people to know Christ. Bearing fruit is producing. Sheep ought to produce. This is real, this is real deep theology. Don't lose me when I say this. Sheep produce other sheep. We show our love by, to Christ by bearing fruit. By bringing others to the knowledge of the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul said in Romans chapter 1 verse number 13. Now I would not have you to be ignorant brethren that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you but was let hitherto, notice this, that I might have some fruit among you also even as among other Gentiles. So the idea of bearing fruit, uh, some people have this. Some get, have gotten this all crossed up. They think bearing fruit is fruit of the Spirit. That's not at all what it is. Now, a person that is saved ought to have the fruit of the Spirit, but that is not bearing fruit. Bearing fruit is causing, is there again bringing other people to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't save them, we can't make them get saved, but we can tell them about the glorious gospel that saved us and that can save them. And then hopefully, but by the way we present ourselves and by the way we live, by obeying the word of God and them seeing how we love other people, put a taste in their mouth to saying, whatever they got, that's what I want. You know why we don't see many people come to know, come uh, come to be saved uh, in the in this day and hour is because we're they see one thing and they hear another thing. They say they hear, "Oh, we love Jesus." We get up on Sunday morning and we sing, "Oh, how I love Jesus!" And Jesus is so wonderful, and Jesus is great, and Jesus is grand, and He's the best thing that ever happened to me. Only for to hear that on Sunday morning, and then on Monday morning, all they hear is language that can't be repeated in church. And they say, "What happened to Jesus being the best thing?" Or they, they, see, they see us on Sunday morning, Jesus is wonderful, he's great, he's grand, he's marvelous, he's perfect, he's holy, he's worthy. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. Only to find out Monday through Friday we're drowning ourselves with other things to try to keep our misery intact because we're so miserable. And they say, well, I thought Jesus was enough. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll stand up and say, testify on Sunday morning and say, Jesus is enough for all my problems. 
But yet on Monday through Friday, Jesus isn't enough. Now, I'm just telling you, now this is, what, this is where the rubber meets the road, friend. We say we love Jesus, but the Bible says if you love Jesus, there's some, y'all know what earmarks are? There's some earmarks about some people who love Jesus. If a person that loves Jesus, they're going to love his word. A person that really loves Jesus, not only are they going to love his word, they're going to love other people. A person who really loves Jesus, they're going to want people to know what they know. Now, I know what you're thinking, preacher. I'm, I, I'm not a preacher. I can't preach, preach to people. No, you may not. I know, you know, I know that women can't be a preacher, but I have met some women that could probably out-preach most men I know. One time Jasper made the statement, we was driving to church, and Jasper said, uh, said Mom, are you going to preach today? And she said, no, women can't preach. I, thought, I, I told her, I said, then why do you preach to me all the time? By the way, I know God did not call women to preach. By this, by this, if it was not in the Bible that women were not to preach in Paul's epistle, I would know it by this. When Peter messed up, a rooster crowed, not a hen cackled. Y'all didn't know what y'all was getting when you got me, did you? That's what happens with most people. My wife back there. See, I can say stuff around here. Y'all get this. In Tennessee, they're just like, what is he talking about? The Bible's very clear. There's earmarks if you really love him. But there again, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just three of many. It's only a musician come. I want to ask you. How's your love? When you just examine these three things, how's your love add up? If, 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 if it was only these three things, to love his word, to love other people, and to bring other people to Christ, if those were the only three things, this morning could you stand and say, by those three things, I can testify, it testifies that I love Jesus. Now, I understand we all fall, we all come short. But some of us have fallen and come short and we have gotten complacent with staying down. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, a righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up. This morning, if you find yourself lacking in the love of the Word of God, get back up. Find you a place to pray and ask God to help you fall back in love with the Word of God. You find yourself lacking in loving other people. Find yourself, come to this altar and fall on your knees before and holy and an awesome God and say, God, please help me love other people. If you find yourself where you've, you, it's been quite some time since you have given the gospel to somebody and and, and pleaded with them and begged with them to come to know Christ. Find you a place to pray and say, God, give me a burden for souls. I don't know if you know it or not, but this thing's about to wrap up, friend. We're living in the last of the last days, and if we're going to get people into the fold of God, we got to do it now. 
heard a story one time of two older couple riding down the road and older man and woman had been married many years and they were riding down the road and wife looked at the husband she said you know honey she said I miss the days when we were young we'd sit right up next to each other riding down the road and I'd hold your hand now this is only for married couples you hear me I'd hold your hand you'd lean over and stop sign and you'd give me a kiss on the cheek or whisper in my ear how much you loved me boy I sure miss those days and just looked at her and said I hadn't moved the reality of it is that's the way it is with us and the Lord a lot of us if we're honest we remember the day we got saved the days after that how special it was, how, much, how, how special it was coming to church because we'd just been saved, how special it was when we'd, we'd hear somebody sing Amazing Grace, and those little flutter in our heart knowing that we know, know exactly what they're talking about. Some of us remember how how we'd, when we'd open up the Bible, it, I mean, it would, just, it would just come to life and would just speak to us. And it would be, I, I mean, those were some of the best days. It's not that way anymore, is it? Just like that older couple, it's not God that's moved. It's us. The best days of Christianity are not or should not be the first days. The best days of Christianity should always be the present day. It ought to mean more to me today than it did yesterday. It ought to mean more to you today than it did yesterday. But if it don't, you know whose fault it is? I want to ask you this morning. How's your love, how does mine and your love line up with the scripture? Based upon what we've seen this morning, can we say, I love Jesus? Can it be backed up by the scripture? If not, why don't we ask the Lord to help us so that this time next year, if we're not in heaven, we can say, I love Jesus, and I can back it up by the Scripture. My testimony can back it up by the Scripture. If you don't know him, if you've never been saved, the greatest thing you'll ever do is ask the Lord Jesus to save you. You'll begin on the best journey of your life knowing you're going to heaven. This morning, if you don't know him, I'd love to take the Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know going to heaven when you die. For us that do know him, let's really examine our love, not based upon what we think or what we feel, but let's examine our love based upon the Scriptures.
our love don't match the scriptures, let's fix our love because the scriptures are correct. Let's don't try to fix the scriptures, let's just fix our love. I love this verse. We'll draw nigh unto God, he'll draw nigh unto us. That's all you got to do this morning. Our love isn't where it ought to be. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for being a good God, a loving Savior to us. Lord, I pray you'd help us in this invitation. God, I pray that you'd help us respond accordingly. Do a work in our heart. Be careful to give you the honor and give you the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand and sing. Turn to 282. Anything.